back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio, where we talk about just about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire uh, from Simon, uh, the miniature game. So we have with us tonight a very special guest, uh, has not been on the show since, uh, I think, one of our first couple episodes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We have with us Ilya from Tabletop Warden. Hi, Dave. Hi, Brett. Thanks a lot for having me today. Hey, Ilya. Yeah, of course. So, uh, if you haven't already read the, the title, we will be discussing the rest of the Greyjoy faction that's been revealed. Um, as I kind of said in the last episode, I, I know it's been revealed for quite a bit now, but we kind of wanted to wait for everything to roll in. I'm sure there might be one more post for Greyjoys before they finally drop, um, maybe with some more like um, generic attach, or with maybe some like named attachments. Uh, I think that's like the only thing they haven't really officially revealed in a uh, one of their articles. So, um, so we'll cover that when we get to it, but we didn't want to postpone this t- uh, topic too much longer now that we've somewhat caught up on all the reveals that Simon's been pouring on us. So with that said, uh, last episode we talked about the commanders, their tactics cards, and the tactics deck itself. And tonight we want to talk about the units, the generic attachments, um, a couple uh, named attachments that uh, were revealed uh, a long, long time ago that... um, who knows if they've changed since then, and uh, NCUs. Um, so, Ilya, uh, to kind of put you on the spot, what would you like to talk about first uh, as far as one of those um, groups, like the units or NCUs or whatnot? Mm, I think we, sh- we should start with the units because they kind of represent the basic gameplay style of the Greyjoys, and I think everything will make more sense if we talk about it afterwards. Sounds good to me. So, uh, first up, we'll just go down the line here, if I can find the tab I have the units on. So, uh, what looks to be um, the probably going to be the main in the army, the Ironborn Reavers. They are a five-point infantry unit, moving five inches uh, or a feet of a speed of five, a defense of five, a morale stat of seven. Attack profile is hitting on fours, seven, six, four, and they have uh, the special abilities, Reaver Axes, gaining Sundering, and gains plus one to hit for each pillage token on this unit. And then, of course, they have their pillage mechanic, which is after completing a melee attack, for each enemy rank that was destroyed, this unit gains one pillage token. It may have up to two at any time. So, I think an amazing five-point unit, in my opinion. Not very tough, but with uh, Greyjoy's healing, I think uh, I think these guys will stick around a bit longer than people expect them to. What do you What do you think about these guys at five points, Brett? Uh, by by way of five-point units. Um... You know, it'll be interesting to see what 1.7 has in store. We've seen Lannister Guardsmen. Uh, Hopefully, pretty soon, we'll see some Stark stuff, and we'll be able to compare them to Sworn Swords. Uh, We've seen Cutthroats now, and as for 1.6, Sworn Swords and Cutthroats kind of set the bar for what um, 
a very, very good five-point unit is going to be in terms of offense. Uh, Wardens and guardsmen set a pretty high bar for what a five-point defensive unit is. So it's going to be interesting with the 1.7 changes to see if these guys really set that bar for offense or if, or if we've still got something comparable in Stark Sworn Swords because I think most people would agree that cutthroats, while still effective um, with the update, they are not setting that bar as they did before. So it's going to be interesting, but um, these guys definitely, for, for my five points, look better than the cutthroats that we've seen, but uh, that neutral deck can get pretty nasty, so you can't really compare them in a vacuum, but I, I think they look pretty good. They're pretty interesting. This defense and morale stat definitely makes them pretty easy to pick off with things like archers. Uh, they're not a far cry from free folk raiders in terms of defense, so uh, that will be interesting to see. What, what do you think, Ilya? Um, <laughs> Did we lost Dave? <laughs> yeah. I, Sorry. I, I think they're. I think they're. They're. They're glass cannony. They look glass cannony. They should yeah. die pretty quickly. The change to panic being a flat D three is going to see them die a little bit slower from that morale damage. But a five plus defensive stat is still a five plus defensive stat. So um, they're definitely not holding the line in the center of the field. But they seem like they can go in and do some damage. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you on every on everything you said so far. Um I think they represent very good what Greyjoys uh, are all about. So as you mentioned before, they're a very glass cannony kind of have a lot of horrible defensive uh, stats, but they can dish out some incredible amount of damage and surprisingly very reliable reliable at that because uh, when they have two glitch tokens, they will also hit on a two plus, which I found in my games when I played them to be extremely useful in a lot of different matchups. Sorry, guys, I had uh, accidentally muted myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I was talking, and then all of a sudden, Brett interrupted me. I'm like, oh, how rude. <laughs> um, I was actually just mentioning that these guys are stat-wise uh, point for, or, you know, exactly the same as cutthroats, uh, other than their special rules. Um, so really, it just comes down to that, uh, you know, whether or not you want Sundering or Vicious, or you want the ability to get re-rolls uh, on an unactivated unit, or have your plus one to hit for each pillage token. So, I would say these guys, I would put them just slightly above um, Cutthroats, just because I, I value Sundering more than Vicious, and then the pillage mechanic as a theme with the army, I think is a bit stronger uh, than the Cutthroats uh, activating first. But it's not like a far stretch. It's they're you know both good units. Um, I think these guys just barely win out uh, just because of their pillage uh, potential. Yeah. Um, next up, we do have House Harlaw Reapers, a five uh, a five move stat, a five up defense, a six up morale. And then their attack profile is hitting on threes, seven, five, four. These guys are six points, so keep that in mind. Uh, I'm pretty sure all this is staying the same. I think uh, Greyjoys, they've said, are 
set to be for 1.7. With that said, a six-point unit hitting on threes, I think, is you know nothing to uh, you know to uh, forget. You know, it's it's going to be something that's going to be very defining for this unit. The fact that you're going to be able to really put out a lot of damage for a six-point unit. Uh, they do have Reaper's Fever, Fevor. Fervor. Yeah, sorry. Fervor. <laughs> I, was missing, I was missing some of those letters there. Uh, they have Vicious, and when an enemy fails a panic test from this attack, for each pillage token on this unit, choose one. The same effect may be chosen multiple times. The enemy suffers plus one wound. This unit restores one wound. And then they have the pillage uh, mechanic. So... Uh, the potential for this unit is either they're suffering two additional wounds or restoring two additional wounds or one of each of your choice, to, assuming you have two. Uh, and then with the vicious on there, really trying to drive home that you're going to fail a panic uh, with a lot of units, I think these guys are going to be uh, heavy hitters of the faction, at least from what we've seen. What do you think, Ilja? Um, well, I'm going to say something very unpopular here. I think the House Hall of Reapers are not as good as the Ironborn Reavers. Um, the reason for that is I have played them quite some, quite some time ago and a couple of games and tested them out with different attachments. And I realized very quickly that um, everything the House Hall of Reapers can do, Ironborn Reavers can do in a way a little bit better. Um, to explain that, um, we will talk about this attach attachment later on, the Warsworn attachment. Um, basically provides the Ironborn Reavers uh, with a healing ability. So therefore, the House Hall of Reapers, with their very gimmicky ability that they can uh, use when the enemy fails a panic check, are not that attractive anymore to me. Um, I think the unit, stats-wise, is totally fine. I just don't like the fact that this unit is so heavily dependent on the enemy failing his panic check to get anything off um, because their entire pillage ability is also based around this panic check while the Ironborn Reavers and the unit we will talk about in a second, the Iron Makers, for example, gain initial benefits from those pillage tokens. Um, that, that's my biggest problem with them right now. But at the same time, they have the most cool-looking models right now. <laughs> They're my favorites. What about you, Brett? How do you kind of see these guys uh, um, being, you know, more so uh, like fa facing this unit? Uh, how would you kind of go after this unit if you were faced up against it? To be honest, they're a little bit glass cannony, somewhat in the way that the uh, Reavers are. A five plus defensive stat is pretty bad. Um, as far as a six-point unit goes, they don't have something like Agile that the um, Skirmishers have to keep them alive. However, I do like this unit. Maybe it's my hatred of uh, Free Folk coming out, but I'm just <laughs> seeing these guys doing D3 plus four wounds to Raiders, um, and you've just got to assume that Free Folk are keeping poor morale basically across the board. So I'm just seeing these guys slaughtering Free Folk, and it's bringing a smile to my face. But it's not just free folk. Um, these guys should, um, if you're looking at uh, five-point units like Cutthroats, even Lannister Guard with their with their morale of seven, if uh, if they're not bringing something like the uh, 
uh, guard captain to add some morale and, and, and help them with these panic tests. D3 plus two, um, we've played D3 plus one, and we know that it's very punishing. D3 plus two is, of course, incredibly punishing. So they do need to get their um, pillage tokens going. Um, I see where they're going with these guys, and I like it. But I think a very important thing that Dave mentioned, uh, the fact that they are a six-point unit and they are hitting on threes, is pushing them somewhere close to the elite status. Units will be the ones that are hitting on three-plus. Um, they're somewhere in between elite and a basic troop. So I would really have to try them. Um, on the surface, they seem a little bit worse than current Mountains men um, from where I'm sitting, but I would have to really... I would really have to try them and see them in action before I could make a judgment on them. I can see where Ilya is coming from, though. Um, but it's a dangerous game to compare them to something like the current Mountains men who are just going to do so much more damage than these guys. Yeah, I think the big, uh, the big thing with you know, comparing the Ironborn Reavers to the Cutthroats and the, the Reapers uh, to the Mountains men is the fact that I think the potential of the cutthroats and the mountain men are a bit higher, but situational because the mountains men are going to have to uh, attack something with less ranks uh, and the cutthroats have to attack something that hasn't been activated. And uh, whereas the reapers uh, and the reavers both have the pillage. So um, they you have to um, you know you have to work around your pillage token what do you think about uh, you know the pillage mechanic in that sense well I think it, it becomes a little bit more relevant when you look at the archers um, some of the ways that they have to get the pillage tokens uh, these guys seem like they might be a unit that's going out and um, that's going out and making the first attack, um, but it will have to be seen. Um, uh, I haven't played them. Ilya would be a person to talk to a little bit about this. Have you tried using the um, the bowmen to get the uh, pillage tokens set on these guys first, or have you just? had to throw these guys in to try to earn their own tokens because it seems like um, it seems like um, they they might struggle to get those ranks knocked off to start getting those pillage tokens. And then if they're stuck in a grind with that type of a defensive stat, I don't really think that they want to be in a fray like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, as I said before, my biggest problem with these guys is that they're so heavily dependent on the enemy failing his panic check to heal themselves, to do more damage, and to get, uh, you know, the effectivity out of their six points. I know they're hitting on a free plus, but Vicious right now in the games I have played hasn't been, you know, doing a lot for me. Um, maybe I'm just rolling bad. That, that depends on my luck, I guess. But uh, most of the time, the enemy just, you know, succeeds his panic check, and I don't have anything from my pillage tokens. I gain nothing there. And yeah, initially, when they don't have uh, any pillage tokens, 
they, they are just still hitting on their free plus with seven, five, and four dice, right? They don't lose any form of effectivity there. But still, uh, you are so heavily dependent on the enemy fading their panic checks to get pillage tokens on them, or you have to invest a couple of resources, uh, which I would rather invest in Ironborn Reavers or Iron Makers, um, to be totally honest here. Um, I like the idea and the concept behind this, guys. They have Vicious with an inbuilt form of, um, like, Pseudo Cut Them Down, which sounds incredibly powerful on paper, but it's, um, it's just not my stick. It's just very gimmicky, and um, I guess they have a place in a list that tries to counter a specific uh, faction, like you mentioned before, Free Folk, with their low morale, are a very good example here. But most of the time... I would rather choose Ironborn Reavers with a once worn attachment to do most of the work here. Yeah, and I I think uh you know the the Reapers have you know that potential to heal. Uh, I think a lot of people's first reaction is that extra damage, but combined with uh Greyjoy's crazy amount of healing having at least like one unit of these guys uh kind of maybe on the you know outer flanks uh especially if you're running uh Asha for that uh, morale boost I think is um going to allow for this unit with that 6 up not that it's an amazing morale but it's you know it's pretty good for them to kind of hang on the outskirts of that bubble and you know, you're gonna they're gonna be able to kind of go off on their own in a lot of cases if you're const- if you can get that pillage token early, and you can uh, start just healing themselves um, in order to stay in the fight. Um, next up, I, uh, I we just, do have. I just oh, wanna, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to I just want to circle back really quick because I think some people that are listening to this might be a little bit confused. Um, I want to clarify that when I'm talking about Mountains Men and Cutthroats, I'm talking about the 1.6 versions. We know that um, some things are being dialed back in terms of aggression. So looking at these guys through that glass, I'm just saying with what we've come to expect out of the 1.6 Mountains Men and the Cutthroats and things like this, that's what I'm trying to compare them to. Now, I know Chanel mentioned in his On the Table Gaming podcast that Mountains Men want to be attacking things that are weaker than them. We don't have the specifics on what the mountains men do. So I just want to be kind of clear on that in case some people are getting kind of confused because I'm talking about 1.6 and it sounds like Dave, you're looking more into 1.7. So I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page with that comparison. And and I know it's a dangerous game to compare the stuff that we're seeing to their 1.6 counterparts because we know that things in 1.7 are going to be dialed back. For the most part, things that are five points, things that are even six points probably hitting on fours a lot of the time. I want to reiterate that it is dangerous to look at these units in a vacuum and compare them to what we're used to seeing right now in 1.6. And we can go ahead. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to um, sift through a lot of that when you're trying to compare older stuff, uh, newer stuff, especially, you know, the people listening, you know, you might not have seen all the different reveals. That actually was something I wanted to bring up, and then I completely forgot about it when, Brett, you were talking about uh, the Reapers uh, attacking Free Folk and doing D3 plus 4. And for those that haven't seen the uh, reveal of 
cowardly, it adds plus two to the damage. So that's how he he got the D3 plus four. I know a lot of you listening had already seen that and already knew about it, but uh, yeah, yeah, I believe it. I believe it's the Raiders that have that. So um, yeah. that's where you'll be getting the D3 plus four, and that could be pretty nuts for these guys to go in, you know, and wipe a whole unit of free folk uh, if they have two pillage, uh, of free folk raiders if they have two pillage tokens. So it's one of those that uh, we kind of apologize that we're kind of jostling around between 1.6 and then the what we've seen of 1.7 and what we've only heard of 1.7. So uh, I hope it's not too jarring and too all over the place for those that are listening. Uh, but with that said, next up, we do have the Ironborn Bowmen. Uh, they have a move stat of five, a defense of five, and a morale of eight. Uh, their uh, ranged attack is, I'm assuming, long. I think that's what the two arrows above the um, yeah. bow means. Uh, they're hitting on fours with six, six, four. Their melee attack is four, hitting on fours, five, four, three. And they do have uh, Ironborn Arrows, may reroll attack dice when attacking enemies in the flank or rear, and divide the spoils. After completing an attack, for each rank that was destroyed, one friendly unit was with pillage in long range of that enemy gains one pillage token. So these guys are, in my opinion, great utility. What do you think uh, about this guy, or these guys? Uh, I think any unit that shoots long range is worth four points. Um, <laughs> we, we've seen we've seen free folk trappers just tear through armies lately in competitive play. They're shooting at short range and they're hitting on fours. Uh, we know that they are capable of doing serious damage with a ranged attack. These guys coming in at four points, being able to shoot from a safer distance shooting behind stakes and things like this, uh, these guys are definitely something you're going to want to get rid of because this, this type of chip damage, if you ignore these bowmen, for example, and just let them continue taking shots into you, we've seen that that's, that's a bad game plan. It's gonna, though, you're going to end up getting worn out just by the, the sheer number of defensive saves and panic saves that you're taking. So I have a lot of respect for these guys because um, unfortunately for me, I end up playing against a lot of free folk and a lot of times it's those short range shots with six and five attack dice hitting on a four plus that just completely wear my army, completely break them down and make them completely useless. Granted, these guys don't have the traps that the free folk trappers have and they're not insignificant, but I just want to point out, uh, if you're facing these guys, um, you don't want to sleep on their attack profile. You don't want to leave them unchecked because thinking that six attack dice on a four is going to yield no damage, you're fooling yourself. Because if your morale is even a six and you're taking numerous attacks from, from these units, you're going to fail a panic test. You're going to roll a two or a three, and this attack is going to end up doing three, four, five wounds to you, and it's really, really going to start to hurt. And by the time you recognize how dangerous they actually are, it might be too late. So I think with these guys, um, positioning is going to be really key. It's always key in this game. But by doing just a tiny little pivot and being aware of where these guys are on the battlefield, 
pivoting your front just a tiny little bit so the attacker exposes their flank to these guys even after a shift where they get their rerolls, uh, these they would be devastating. Um, so I think a person that's playing smart and using a unit kind of as bait to suck your unit in and then you're exposing your flank and they're shooting into your flank, it's going to be a bad day. What do you think, Ilya? Um, okay, so before I start rambling on, uh, I'm, I'm a huge Greyjoy fan, so uh, people should take everything I say with a big grain of salt. Pun intended, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Just stupid. But um, in my personal opinion, after playing Bowman now quite a in a, quite a couple of games here, here and there, I don't. They they don't feel like a four point unit to me. Like they are extremely powerful. Um, I think two specific pieces in the Grey Troy Arsenal are making them extremely strong, in my opinion. And that's first the Reaver Captain with with his outflank ability, and Finger Dance, the basic card in their deck. So Finger Dance works also on ranged attacks, allowing Bowman to. Um, dispatch a vulnerable token on their target every time they attack something that has at least the same amount of ranks as they do. And because they are a long-range unit, most of the time that's actually the case, because getting to them is quite hard if the enemy doesn't have a lot of cavalry or outflank shenanigans themselves. And I quickly realized when you play them together with a Reaver Captain, for example, you can just place them into the enemy's back lines and then dish out a whole lot of damage. Like, these guys with their six dice on a four plus and the reroll, if they're shooting something in the back or in the flank, can do some surprising amount of damage, especially with finger dance and in the vulnerable token. So not also, so not only are they a very damaging piece in the Greyjoy arsenal, they are also a very great support unit, pro, uh, unit providing vulnerable tokens from afar and also providing pillage tokens for other units. I really, really like them. But I'm a little bit concerned about them because of their four-point cost. I think they're a little bit too effective. But that's just my opinion right now. Maybe they're not as strong as I think they are. But as I said before, I'm, I'm a little bit biased here. And um, I would be totally fine if they, would, if they would end up at five points later on uh, when the game gets you know, updated again at, in the future. But um, yeah, at four points, extremely good unit, extremely powerful unit. Yeah, I see these guys, as you're saying, uh, a perfect combination with the captain because you really want those rerolls because four dice hitting, you know, or, or not four dice, six dice hitting on fours uh, isn't a whole lot. I mean, at long range, I mean, at least you're peppering them with attacks from a distance, but, uh, you know, you hit on average a three, you know, if they have a four up save, you know, they're saving one or two of them, you know, you're hoping to maybe pick a guy off and maybe feel panic. So, but you know, you spend that one extra point, five points, you can flank them right into the rear of something. And now you're have six dice hitting on fours with rerolls with a minus two to their morale or sorry, their defense. And then a minus two to their morale. I mean, that is huge. You're going to what hit, uh, I think, uh, four or five of your dice with re-rolls, you're going to then, you know, with a minus two to saves, I mean, you're going to probably do about four wounds. Uh, so you're taking off a rank, and now they're probably going to fail their panic, and they're taking another. I mean, you're going to, like, take away half of a unit for your measly five-point unit. Um, and then 
possibly pass out a pillage token, uh, and it has a long range. So in a lot of cases, uh, it's it's usually going to trigger because if you're within long of a unit, more than likely uh, one of your other units is going to be within long of the unit you just shot. So, uh, yeah, I think these guys are nearly a must-take as at least a one-of. Um, uh, I mean, two might be too much, but I, I could definitely see two of these. Um, yeah, at least a one-of. These guys are too good for their... I shouldn't say too good. I don't want to say like they're broken. I'm just saying they're too <laughs> tempting. They're too tempting of a choice at four points to kind of just overlook them and not uh, provide yeah. them in your in your faction uh, in your army, especially when pillage is a big key mechanic. And these guys just help, you know, share the love. We'll say. Um, and then last uh, unit we have to show uh, because they do have box art for Ironborn Trappers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what these guys do, um, but they are look to be revealed with all of the other, like the starter box and the other things. So I'm assuming that means they're going to drop uh, when the rest of the stuff comes out. Uh, but the last unit we have to show are the Iron Makers, a movement of five, a defense of four, a morale of seven, and their attack profile is three or better, uh, with seven dice, five dice, four dice. They are a seven-point unit, but their abilities are they have the pillage mechanic, um, and then they have the great hammer, which gives them critical blow. If the defender rolls a one on any defense dice after this attack is completed, come weakened. And then they also have raided armaments. For each pillage token on this unit, they gain plus one to defense dice. So... I think these guys are great. I would almost say these guys are uh, almost a automatic one of, I think we kind of mentioned in the last show, these guys are perfect in most situations to run your commander, and you're not investing any more points into the unit. Uh, this is a great bunker for, uh, for your commander to survive in, especially if you... Um, can get some pillage tokens right away and just have that two-up save, uh, especially Asha to make them a, I, what was it, a five-up morale, I think is what she gives. Yep. So yep. these guys with the two-up save, five-up morale for seven points, uh, you know, hitting on three, seven, five, four, critical blow, uh, potentially make your opponent weakened. I think these guys are going to, you know, be a must of, a, like a must one of. I would almost say like they've diversified all of these units so well that I would say you're probably going to want at least one of all of them in not every list, but I think in a lot of your lists, I think are going to be very diverse. What do you, what do you think Brett as like a design standpoint of the fact that one unit has thundering, one has vicious, one has crit blow, uh, one range unit, they're all different point costs, and uh, you know they all kind of provide something valuable. Yeah, I think they've done a really good job, and I, I think that's probably part of the reason that Greyjoys are being um, Greyjoys are seeing some play. You know, with guys in the the digital world, they're they're taking what what we have and and they're plugging it in and, and kind of tinkering around with it, and they seem to be pretty popular with everybody. Uh, they seem to have a lot of flexibility, and it opens up some some list choice designs that uh, 
people just really aren't used to because, um, well, we haven't figured them out yet, right? So it's fun to experiment around with things until you figure it out. Once the meta shakes out, you start to have these things that are, for the most part, like auto-include. And again, this is me speaking from like a competitive gaming standpoint. Um, there's just so much stuff in 1.6 that you just never see. There's so many of these cool units that you just don't see. Cool units, cool unit attachments, but you don't see them because the meta dictates that they're they're not good. Uh, there's not a meta that's determining what's good for Greyjoys yet, so they're exciting and they're fun to play with. From a from a design standpoint, it's difficult, yeah, because I look at all of them and they all seem really attractive. So I would have to get them onto a table and play with them and really figure out what I wanted to do with the army. I like the fact that the the unit that has a potential two plus defensive save does have a pretty terrible morale. So there's definitely ways to get around that really nice defense. So uh, I'm curious to see how they shake out. I'm curious to see, because as it, from what we've seen right now, every single thing that they've shown for 1.7 just looks good. It looks good and it looks fun to play. And if you're using that as a gauge, then I think they've knocked it out of the park because I haven't seen one single thing where it was just like hard pass on this. You know, and that's including the neutrals that they just spoiled. Everything just looks amazing. So that means that they've done a really nice job with this design going into this uh, 2021 update that we're going to see. And it gives me a lot of hope. Looking at the Greyjoys, uh, I guess as a quote-unquote full faction with what we've seen so far, it gives me a lot of hope for what's going to happen for the rest of the factions, where hopefully we get this, this new kind of excitement and buzz because – everything's viable. And if that's the case, then you should have a lot of really interesting and fun games because you, you're just going to play different stuff because it's going to be everybody's interpretation of what they like and what they think is good. What do you think, uh, Ilya, about the Iron Makers and then maybe like the overall design of the units that we've kind of seen so far? Um, Iron Makers, as you said previously, I totally agree here. They they are the ultimate command bunker right now for the Greyjoys. Um, Asha fits in very well. So does also Balon. Um, Victarion, maybe not as much as the other two, but he's totally fine in the Iron Makers as well. And I like this design uh, decision that they made here, as Brad said, that we have here a very tanky unit, potentially with a 2-plus defense save but with a very low morale. So um, you need to invest maybe a couple of points in in form of an attachment or a commander attachment into them to make them even more tankier and to wipe out this weakness they have. But um, in my games, I only fielded one unit of them just for my commander, and I was totally fine. I guess having two in the field is viable, but maybe not necessary because you can invest the points into Bowman and maybe into Reavers and so on. Um, I like this unit. I think they are a very well-designed unit. They have critical blow, which I value as some sort of pseudo plus one to hit in engaged uh, combat because critical blow can provide you some additional hits here and there. And um, also, if the defender rolls a one, the defender becomes uh, also weakened, which also encourages uh, the iron makers or makes them even more tankier. Um, I like them, and I overall like every single unit in the Great Joy starter set so far. Um, 
Iron Makers weren't in the starter set. Sorry, I'm lying there. But uh, the units we have seen here so far, uh, I think they're all very well designed. You can already tell by just looking at them once what their purpose is on the battlefield. And uh, we have a basic bread and butter unit in form of the Reavers. We have a shock troop unit in form of the Reapers, which can also be your um, choice if you try to uh, play the panic game. You have long-range support with the Bowman, and you have your tanky, um, you know, token, I guess, holders in form of the Iron Makers. Um, I think if you start with a new faction, this is how a faction should look like, because everything looks very well-designed, looks very cool also. I like every single model I have seen in the Great Troy Arsenal so far, and I think it's a very... They, they, they did a really great job with the great dress, in my opinion. So if someone is encouraged to, you know, play a song of ice and fire, I would tell them go and buy a great dress starter set because you can't go wrong with those guys so far. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the starter set comes with two reavers, one reaper and one bowman, if I'm not mistaken. And then it also yeah. comes with uh, Asha and uh, Victarion. I think I said his exactly. name right. Uh, and then separately you'll be able to buy the Iron Makers, uh, the Ironborn Trappers separately, and then they'll be coming out with the Greyjoy Heroes Box 1. Um, I don't remember, I think we went over it last show, everyone that comes in that box, uh, if you haven't listened to that show already, I would definitely go check that one out after this one. Um, but yeah, I think uh, this is the first faction where they're going to release a hero box with the starter, which I think is amazing. It's going to give uh, anyone who's looking to play Greyjoys more than enough to play some really awesome, diverse lists right out the go, or right out the gate. And, uh, yeah, so next up, uh, we will talk about the generic attachments. We have the Reaver Captain for one point, which we had kind of already uh, talked about with uh, the Bowman. What he does, uh, if you haven't seen it already, he does have uh, uh, limitation text on his side with his point cost, which is you may only include up to two Reaver Captains. This attachment may only be attached to Grey Joy units, but ignores the usual attachment limits. Um, and then he has the outflank you may hold this unit off the table in reserve instead of deploying it when a friendly NCU claims the maneuver zone you may replace that zones effect with deploy one unit from reserve fully within short range of any flank table edge um, so this is how the bowmen are going to be appearing behind a unit um, and uh, it does not say that they come in activated so they will be able to still do whatever they need to do the other thing to note is that uh, you will have the maneuver zone, so your opponent's not really going to be able to turn around to face you without using it as its activation. And even if so, you could be then showing your rear to uh, the forces coming up the field. Um, and then based on uh, uh, what card was it? It's... Uh, swift reposition by one of the factions. I forget uh, which one that had it. Uh, I believe it's only a shift it was, now. It was do, you, do you know that? It's, it's Targaryen. It's a, uh, it's a shift unless you own the maneuver zone, in which case it's a uh, three-inch maneuver, I believe. Um, but yeah, if they claim the maneuver zone, then you don't own the maneuver zone. So 
Okay, exactly. That's so. There's um, depending on what the tactics cards end up turning into. I don't there unless you have some cavalry. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of uh, immediate answers to these guys. Um, I mean, there's going to be some, but uh, I mean, uh, taking the uh, maneuver before they do is going to be one of them. But then you have to give up uh, the swords if your opponent has. Um, uh, any way to use the swords on you. So I think uh, by saying this, it just came to mind, I think it's going to encourage a lot more ranged units and a lot more uh, cavalry. Uh, cavalry meaning you're going to be able to move on a dime and go change your, your positioning uh, range unit so that you can kind of take advantage of that free attack before your opponent does um, in situations like this. Um yeah, I think these guys are really great. I, I think one key thing about these guys that really makes them more desirable is that uh, they don't take up your attachment limit. So you can really, you know, deck out a unit still. You don't have to just be giving them outflank. You can actually still give them a buff uh, by another attachment. What do you think, Ilya? Um, yeah, as you said before, and as we have talked about previously, I think the Reaver Captain is a natural fit in with the Ironborn Bowman because of their um, Ironborn Arrow ability, and that's the most—that's uh, the place where I have, I have played him most of the time. But sometimes I also tried him out with Victarion, so putting um, Victarion into a unit of Ironborn Reavers in combination with a Reaver Captain. Um, allowing him to just start um, his rampage in the enemy backlines if you uh, get him in um, with the outflank ability because he has this out-of-six um, uh, charge card, um, Rush of Aggression, I think that's the name. And if you can get uh, such a combo off, the, the damage potential with the Reaver Captain and this outflank ability is insanely good. Like um, Victarion, for example, most of the time when I played his card combos, he was one-shotting stuff, even 1.6 units. Like, uh, he, he can do a surprising amount of damage, and especially with the Reaver Captain. Um, I like this unit a lot. I like this attachment. Um, and for one point, I, I think he just represents also the aspect of the Greyjoys that they are a naval or marine type of uh, army but we can deploy ships <laughs> in a song of ice and fire. So <laughs> I guess that's our kind of, um, you know, ship replacement here in, in this game. So yeah, that's why he has outflank and that's why the river captain can also, can also only be attached to Greyjoy units because if you would be able to attach the river captain, for example, to bastard girls, I think um, that, that would be quite overpowered in a lot of, in a lot of ways. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely. Uh, I think the combo potential with this would be way too crazy with yeah. anything that's revealed, anything not revealed, anything not even in the works. Like, uh, So I think it, that and it goes along the theme that they've talked about where uh, a lot of stuff that they have only works with Greyjoys because they're not, you know, they don't use a lot of neutral stuff. So um, what do you think, Brett? What do you think about uh, um, the Reaver Captain? Uh, I think it's yet to be seen um, whether it's too powerful or not. Um, I like it as an ability. Of course, you're limited to taking the maneuver zone, so um, 
unless they want to deploy it in the very first round, um, you could see the opponent just taking the maneuver zone in like the second round or something like this to stop them from coming on. Um, at least for that round, we know that Varus doesn't cancel zones, so we know that there's not a situation where um, they can be stuck not deploying, which is realistically could have happened with Varus canceling zones. You could hit your Varus rolls and then claim the maneuver zone and just block them out. So um, we've seen this before. Uh, we see it with the Jarl of the Free Folk in 1.6. Um, the jury will be out on it, I guess. You see the Jarl come in a lot, bringing in a unit of trappers. Um, and then they end up shooting you in the rear unless you take your activation to turn around to face them. Um, but we will see if it's uh, the Steyr combination that's making that, that Jarl combination in the Free Folk so powerful. Um, I think Ilya's got a good build there by putting the the captain in the archers because then if they march forward to try to mitigate the damage that can be done, then you can still probably shoot them. Um, if it's an infantry like combat unit, you do have the option to just march away and then they shouldn't be able to charge you in the rear. So we'll have to see. I'll have to see it played. I think outflank is a really powerful ability. Just right now, we only see it with the uh, Blackfish's mounted version, which doesn't really see play because it's a Kickstarter. And we see it a lot with the with the the Jarl, but again, like I said, I think I think the Jarl and the Trappers is mostly so powerful because Steyr NCU is just overpowered. So we will have to see <laughs> if that integrates or not. Yeah, I'm not even going to hold my tongue on that. Uh, Jarl, the Steyr's NCU is just ridiculously overpowered. Yeah, so. yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I was. Uh, finding uh interesting while you're explaining um the outflank and like some of the potential with it is uh you know one way to kind of force the Greyjoy player especially with the meta assuming it goes this way but um with no ncu commanders with commanders or uh sorry uh, no with ncus ranging from four to six points as they've said i think running walder against Greyjoys might be very useful um, for the outflank because you're going to force them to have to take the crown because if they don't and you continuously make yourself the first player, you could make sure that these guys never see play because then your first action every round can be to just take the maneuver zone. Um, I don't know how often that would ever come up, but it is something to keep in mind that uh, that Walder could potentially force your hand onto the crown or, you know, you might never see your unit come on the board. <laughs> yeah. um, next up, we have our other generic attachment, which is also one point. Uh, it is the War Sworn. Fueled by Slaughter is his ability. After this unit completes a melee attack, if the defender suffered any wounds, this unit restores one wound plus one additional wound for each of its defender's destroyed ranks. Now, we've already kind of discussed that the Reaver Captain is really good, and we're probably going to see at least one of them in most lists. Uh, Ilya, how do you kind of feel about uh, this attachment and his kind of utility, and maybe uh, some of the places that you've ran him? Yeah, uh, Warsworn, I think, is amazing. I fell in love with this guy uh, 
like the moment I played him because fueled by slaughter, if you're playing against an infantry heavy opponent, you will heal like tons and tons of wounds. Um, most of the time, I'm placing war swans into my reavers because they can dish out a um, lot of damage with the thundering, and they also hit on a two plus if they get if they have two pillage tokens. So not only you you are you doing consistent damage you are also healing all the time when you attack someone. And we know Greyjoys have, for example, we do not saw in their decks, allowing them to get an additional free attack every round or uh, maybe even twice around if you have both, both cards in your hand. So with the Warsworn, you can just heal up back to full, um, full ranks if you do it uh, right. And I love the fact that it's based on the amount uh, of destroyed ranks in the, enemy, um, in the defender's tray because it just encourages the Greyjoy player to be very aggressive. Um, I even catch myself playing a little bit differently than I played most of the time by activating my units before I even place down down NCUs on the tactic boards, which which most of the time we know as uh, seasoned players in this game is kind of a mistake in most cases, not all the time. But in... In the case of Greyjoys, I felt like being encouraged to um, attack even before my opponent does anything, to just get this healing off, to do more damage, and to get the benefits of my tactic cards off. Um, Warsworn, I think, is for me also the reason why the House Hall of Reapers right now are not... Well, I don't want to say they're bad. Don't get me wrong here. I just think that the Ironborn Reavers, in combination with the Warsworn, can do like the same job as the Reapers, but even kind of more reliable because they're just hitting on this two plus. Um, but yeah, but that's just my opinion so far from the games I have played. Um, I like the Wars run. I think it's a very powerful, powerful attachment. And if this attachment would be available in other factions, I think it would be rated at two points, like hands down in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, this guy looks amazing. Um, you were saying in Reavers, which definitely makes a lot of sense because, you know, you're only going to six points with that. My first, uh, and I think probably a lot of people's initial thoughts is, you know, just kind of all your eggs in one basket and putting them with the Reapers, uh, you know, because then if you get some pillage tokens, you know, I mean, you're healing uh, one plus one for every rank when you do a wound and then potentially healing two more when they fail a panic. Uh, this, you know, for a seven-point unit, uh, they hit hard enough, and then now you're healing so much that, you know, you're kind of supplementing all of that uh, that defense that they kind of are lacking in. What about you, Britt? How do you kind of feel about uh, the Warsworn? You know that in my in my heart of hearts, I'm a Night's Watch player. So I have so much appreciation for this guy and the amount of healing that he's going to do throughout the course of the game. <laughs> yep. And furthermore, the amount of frustration that he's going to cause your opponent because these guys seem like they should be able to do some things to get some ranks down. And if your ranks are down, you're already hitting less hard. And then if they're healing basically every time they attack you, you're going to be very, very frustrated trying to trying <laughs> to kill these guys. Um, I, I, it's the, yeah, it just makes up for their their lack of defense outside of just the uh, 
outside of the iron makers, you know, they don't have a whole lot to speak for as far as defense goes, but man, this guy, <laughs> this guy will help them stick around. Um, interestingly, he is not uh, restricted to um, Greyjoy units, right? Yep, that's true. So you can you can throw this guy in like your Bastards Girls or something like this, and uh, you know we've seen that the Bastards Girls cause a vulnerable token after the shot, no matter what. So you can uh, shoot these guys, give them a vulnerable token, charge in, and if if they didn't lose a rank from the ranged attack, surely they'll lose a rank from the uh, from the charge. And then these guys are going to, yeah, it's just going to be crazy. You can appreciate yeah. that, right? You, you, you really like the battlefield. Is that a combination you've tried? With, no, uh, I, because I hate neutrals. I, I, I don't want to play <laughs> neutrals in any shape or form. Like, I try to avoid them as much as I can. Um but right now, I mean, everyone has seen the new spoilers for the neutrals, right? Uh, I, I'm thinking about including Flight Men into my list because Greyjoys right now don't have any form of cavalry. But, yeah. Oh, you're a bad man. You're a yeah, bad I, know, man. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I really hate neutrals. I think they are just the bane of this game because every time they get released in a new shape or form, they cause some problems. I really hope this time they will not... <laughs> But I'm kind of afraid already. <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but to I be think, honest, uh, you just you just nailed it there. Why would you run the bastards girls with this guy if you could just run the Flademen for the same eight points? Although yep. I do really like bastards girls, I really, really, really like them. Uh, maybe this attachment just isn't best for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, Ilya, I think uh, I think what would fit your army way better is if for one point cheaper you just ran the the zorse riders that they revealed oh yeah yeah true yeah right all there, that yeah. utility um save a point i think uh, i think they would fit very well in a great joy list especially yeah. now you know well reason to go out and you know Ford, uh, Zorse Riders. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And also what I uh, was thinking about is that cavalry right now, uh, well, neutral cavalry, has critical blow every time they charge. And if you can combine that with crack and Threat, which gives you precision, uh, yeah, that should do a lot of damage. Um, well, um, all right. So moving on, we are done with the units and the generic attachments. Uh, all we have left is um, NCUs and then a couple really old uh, named attachments. So we'll jump into the NCUs. And first thing I wanted to say with the NCUs, if you plan to run um, the outflank ability, one thing to maybe keep in mind, especially you know, it with no uh, NCU commanders, no three-point NCUs, uh, running three NCUs is not going to be nearly as easy as it used to be. It's definitely still going to be a viable strategy. Uh, and of the ones that we've seen, I have to double check uh, what's his face uh, that they revealed a long time ago. I think he is um, five points. Uh, yeah, Balon? Balon yeah. is five points. And the other three that they revealed are four. But uh, you could also take some neutral NCUs. 
but with that said, you could run three NCU lists, especially with how cheap some of the units are. And that way you can really, you could take that maneuver zone, replace it, and not feel like you had to waste one of your NCUs because you're going to have three. Uh, with that said, we're going to jump into talk about Roderick Harlaw, the reader. He is four points. Uh, he has the ability that he starts with two order tokens. At the start of any turn, you may remove one order token from Roderick. If you do, place any number of tactics cards from your hand to the side, then draw one plus that many cards, then shuffle the ones into your deck that you set aside. Um, so basically, he's a mulligan with a plus one, rather than in some games where you, if you mulligan, you get minus one. Um, I think, uh, without having talked about the rest yet, I think he is definitely kind of the weak link, but I think his ability is still really good. What do you think, Ilya? Have you used him yet, uh, and what do you kind of think about him? Yeah, I used Roderick in combination with uh, all three commanders, and I realized that Roderick is like the Tyrion to Gregor, what, uh, and he is like um, natural fit for Victarion. Um, the reason for that is quite simple. Um, Victarion, just like Gregor, is very dependent on his cards to get combinations off. For example, you can play Rush of Aggressions into Kraken's Wrath and then into his um, Overrun to get a devastating combo off. And Roderick allows you to draw those cards and get or get those cards into your hand. Um, I think Roderick is a NCU that you might pick when you are like, I don't know what NCU I should pick right now because he will help every commander, but he especially helps commanders who are, you know, dependent on those card combos. And um, I also think his biggest strength is that he basically allows you to ignore the tactic zone um, because he is like some sort of tactic zone on, its, on, on his own, um, which, can you, which you can use two times in a game. Um, I like him. I really like his design, but I think he just fits into specific lists and, and uh, fits with specific commanders. Um, like, for example, I played him with Asha and with Balon. And I was like, hmm, I should have replaced Roderick with something more useful in this case. But with Victarion, damn, that's, uh, that's, he's way stronger than in this list. Yeah, especially uh, for those that listened to the last show, you know, the base deck, uh, I believe, has uh, Do Not Sow, which gives you free attack action. And then Victarion gives you uh, Salt Orders, which gives another free attack action. So you yeah. could literally you know, draw into like three, uh, draw into like one and then draw into another with Harlaw and, you know, potentially do it again next turn, not that you, or next turn or next round, whenever you feel like you kind of need it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think like that's a great point that's him with anyone that really has super strong Texas cards or cards that really need to combo with stuff. Uh, he'll be like a key include. What do you think, Brett? I know you're uh, an old uh, Tyrion player slash Lannister player, and then you know Night's Watch when they were doing uh, the three point. Um, uh, what's his face, Bowen? How do you kind of feel yeah. about Roderick here? Oh, that seems pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> 
I'm trying to wrap my head around exactly what this does. This is the first time I've really looked at this. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, he's just saying that, everyone, for dramatic effect. He He's actually a huge Greyjoy fan. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't come onto a shore unprepared. <laughs> that is totally not Brett. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could read it again for you. (laughs) No, I'm reading it. I'm just sitting here reading it. Um, Come on, buddy. It's not that complicated. Thank God there's a five. Thank God there's a five card limit. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. True. (laughs) Well, the nice thing, I think, the key point about him, the nice thing is you set the cards aside. So let's say you don't even do it like first turn. Let's say or first round. Let's say it's like round three when things really start getting in the thick, you know, everything's like in combat, and you start the round, even if your opponent's going first, you are already through, let's say, six cards of your deck. Or, uh, I mean, round three, you really haven't done a lot. So let's say you're just through four cards. Um, You're at 16 cards left. You draw three of them. Uh, you are now at 13 cards left. Let's say you set those three cards aside. You now draw four cards of those 13 cards. I mean, you yeah. the potential later on when you've gone through your deck to really get what you need, the odds are actually pretty high. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty jealous. Like, <laughs> just imagine <laughs> like. When, <laughs> Um, obviously, I'm playing Starks in World Cup. Like, I would give my kidney to have this ability right now, <laughs> playing competitively. Like, oh, I've got, I got, I've got three cards that I was debating on dumping anyway. I don't even really need to dump them. Just set them to the side, and shuffle them back in, take four <laughs> different ones and have a look at those. Like, it seems like you could do that um, more at the end of a round to – have a look and it really kind of gives you insight into what's in your deck. So I see that as very powerful. It took me a minute to read the wording and really understand what was going on with that. But um, yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) I definitely, (laughs) I'm liking that ability. You've got some guys too, that are just so in tune with their deck and they're just so in tune with what cards they need. And they've, uh, made mental notes about what they've played through and what they've drawn, and there's a lot of guys that are going to take some really reasonable guesses at what they're going to be drawing into, and uh, it could be really, really powerful. Now, Ilya, how I can't think of it off the top of my head. Does anything that we know of so far uh, with Greyjoys deal with the discard pile? Because I was thinking of maybe some crazy combos with in, uh, intentionally discarding stuff. Um, hmm. I don't think so. Oh, no, far. sorry. Anything exists? Yes, sorry. sorry go ahead. I forgot that he shuffles. He. I was thinking he discards yeah. what he doesn't keep. He shuffles it. So I guess he that's a moot point. So you're not really losing any potential in your deck. You're just saving it for later and really pulling out your key cards. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's way better than I was thinking it was. It's a very powerful ability. I like it because I uh, also had games where I was like in round four or five and I was like so hard trying to draw this we do not saw. And then I realized, okay, I've got one Roderick Hala token left. And then I used it, this dispatched three cards, laid them to the side, draw finally, 
Uh, that we do not saw and then turn the game around. Like, Roderick can be very strong if you know what it, what's in your deck and when you need a specific card to turn the game around. Um, yeah, I like him. All right, next up we have Aaron Greyjoy, the Damn Fair. I think that's how you say it. E- yeah. Uh, the Damp <laughs> Damp Hair. <laughs> the Damp Hair. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, has the ability where he can influence only Greyjoy units while influencing a unit. When that unit performs an action, before resolving that action, it restores one wound. When it destroys an enemy and uh, with a melee attack, it restores one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. Personally, I absolutely love uh, this Attachment, just because I love, uh, or attachment, the this NCU, because um, I just like all the healing that the faction itself provides, and he just kind of amplifies that. Uh, for those, I think I mentioned this last and I, uh, last episode, so I apologize, but my play, play style is super uh, alpha strike with, it's almost glass cannon, and then I supplement between my commander and some attachments, the ability to give myself defense. That way uh, it kind of gives me all that power like behind my punch while not just dying when something, you know, kind of looks at me funny. So I think uh, this this NCU is right up my alley. It's not as good as Amon, I don't think. Uh, but he's... I guess comparing them to Amon isn't necessarily fair because they kind of they rely on different things and they kind of just they have different timings. So I don't know. What about you, Ilya? How you view used him yet? I'm assuming you have, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I also tried him out. Um, I'm gonna say I view Aaron as the weakest NCU right now in the starter set, but that's just my opinion on him. Um, I think Aaron. Aaron's influence is okay-ish. You can heal a wound every time you perform an action. But he also, just like Roderick, um, wins a lot of effectively uh, if you play him together with Victarion. Um, because Victarion has even more free action in actions in his um, deck and also in his uh, overrun ability. Um, so if you influence uh, Victarion's unit with Aaron, you can heal a lot from Victarion's unit, which he also needs because he doesn't uh, self-sustain him. Um, and yeah, I, I think the last part of his ability uh, where you can heal um, a wound for each of its destroyed ranks if you destroy an enemy with a melee attack, is kind of very a, a niche ability in my opinion. It, it never in my games I never got this ability to to function, uh, never used it, and most of the time I just used Aaron to um, influence Victorian or my commander to um, you know sustain him even more. Um, I like his design. I know I know what they're trying to do with him here, but in my opinion, as I said before, um, I think. From everything I have seen so far, I rate him as the weakest NCU right now. But maybe, maybe that will change. I don't know over time. And I think important to note that it's. Uh, I initially thought it was every time you attack, 
but it, uh, I think it's because the end part it says when you destroy an enemy with a melee attack, but the previous part about healing is just an action, as you were saying. Uh, exactly. And if you do a charge action, a charge action is actually, I believe, two actions now with the new yes. rule book. So uh, giving yourself two wounds, or I should say one wound before you move, then you move and get into combat, and then you do the attack action and restore another, but uh, when it's all said and done, you're healing two wounds, potentially putting yourself up a rank before you ever uh, initiate that, uh, or before you ever actually roll your dice for the attack. And then if you can, let's say it's a weaker unit that maybe your bowman shot, and you kill that unit, then you're potentially healing one, two uh, more wounds with uh, his other effect. So I think it's one of those that he has so much potential. Uh, it just, you got to find the right moments for him to really heal as much as some people are hoping he will. What about you, Brett? Uh, I know playing Night's Watch, uh, this seems like something right up your alley. Yeah, I think it's, I think it looks pretty good to me. Um, but one of the reasons that the Night's Watch healing is, is and was what it is. It's definitely not what it used to be, right, Ilya? But uh, oh, yeah. Amon, oh, yeah. Good old Amon was so powerful before because veterans were just so good because once you, uh, you know, going back earlier in the game, once you grabbed a token, you held on to it until you died or you left. So Amon healing veterans of the watch, like, yeah, bring it on. It's fine. We can sit here all day and I'll still control this token. Um, when some of those changes came about, you know, contested ranks, uh, flat panic damage and things like this, it took some of that healing away. But the larger point is uh, healing is great, but healing is best when you've either got good defense, really high morale. Um, I've had a lot of success running Eddard Stark in CU with like three berserkers simply because I can pass morale tests and then I can heal with Eddard. Uh, for these guys, I, again, their their morale's not great, um, and you've really just got the one defensive unit. But in this case, are they are are you running Greyjoys as this kind of horde army? Um, and then in that case, he could be worth it. Uh, like what Elia is saying, if he implements some flayed men, um, you know, they can do a maneuver. They can and they can do a maneuver, and then they would heal. And then they can do a charge. That won't work, Brad, because he can only influence Greyjoy units. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I that. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I didn't do my homework. This is what happens. This is what happens when I don't do my homework. So, yeah, okay. So, really, is, are, you, are you getting, you know, six combat units down and then you just want to keep them around to be annoying? I guess where I'm going is a, an NCU that does a lot of healing maybe isn't so great in an army that's got five-plus defense. Probably why Craster's not super popular in yeah. free folk unless they're running a giant or a mammoth. And, of course, those are defensive units. You don't run Craster to heal your horde because your horde just dies. That's what they do. So it seems <laughs> maybe there's something in the pipe. Maybe there's they've, they've got some kind of uh, more heavily armored or even a four plus save i could do it for a unit that's a four plus you know if you're running the i think it's the iron makers the the guys that can get a two plus defense like yeah you're really going to aggravate your opponent and make him angry but um other than that i just don't 
put a lot of value in healing stuff that just dies so fast. I think it comes down to the fact that the the faction itself has so much healing that normally if you're just sprinkling a couple wounds, I agree. It's it's not really worth the investment. But I think the since you're going to have so much healing all over the place that it's just going to compound the amount of bodies that are just going to come back. It's like, uh, Brett, it would be like the example of like poor fellows. You know, they're, you know, granted their morale is great, but, you know, they die like in droves, but then they just go, oh, hey, look, we found all these other bodies that just were hiding in the bushes. <laughs> true. Um, or even I uh, like conscripts. True, true, yeah. I, I would also like to mention that Aaron, uh, I tested him together with the Theon Greyjoy attachment. Um, I know we will talk about this later on, but Theon in combination with Aaron is incredibly powerful um, because... Theon's attachment allows him to perform a charge when he sacrifices D3 wounds from his uh, unit. He automatically counts as rolling a 6. And he also have, has Swift Strike, so he can perform a retreat after performing a melee attack. So you charge in, sacrifice a couple of wounds, Aaron heals 2, then you perform your retreat and Aaron heals another wound. So you basically made a free charge on a 6. Uh, he, he has his usage, but... Yeah, it's it's very nichey. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, let me pull up Theon real quick, uh, so we can kind of get him out of the way. So he was revealed, I think, like back in June of 2020, so quite a while ago. He's two points. He has the reckless hero heroism. So the um, the take D3 wounds to have a auto six on a charge, and then the Swiss. Uh, swift strike for the free retreat after you attack. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, for two points, uh, it's kind of hard to say if that's worth um, taking unless, like, you want, like you were saying, a niche, like, strategy. But I think um, running uh, Aaron uh, Greyjoy with him easily makes him worth two points yeah. because knowing that you're going to get that auto six, especially if you're running like Victorian and you have his own card that's giving you an auto six, I mean, you're going to be making all these ridiculously long charges all over exactly. the place. And uh, especially if you're running, let's say the two you run is Roderick Harla and uh, um, Aaron Greyjoy, you're going to have the ability to filter through to get, Victorian, Victorian's uh, auto charge card, um, which is Rush of Aggression. And then you're going to have the ability to put uh, Aaron on um, Theon's unit. And now, yeah, it's just going to be chaos all over the place, especially if you have uh, some bowmen without flank and you're jumping in their back, shooting them, and then you have all it, – it, it'll just be madness. Uh, <laughs> so um, I can't wait to kind of see what that ha- – you know, turns into. That's true. And another another tip I would like to provide to the Greyjoys players out there, we have seen the new Jagan Hagar who can copy influences. So if you're playing Victarion and Fion in your army, you can basically copy Aaron's influence ability and just heal both up every single time they perform an action. So um works very good. I tested it out. It's a, surprisingly strong. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's funny because I've been trying to 
think of like uh, combos with um, Jack and all over the place. And I don't know why it's just, I think my mind is not in the neutral area because I'm like, well, I don't want any, I'm trying not to run neutrals since, <laughs> um, but you know, NCUs I think are kind of different because uh, that I've seen nothing hurts you for running the neutral NCUs. It's really just neutral units that is yep. going to uh, kind of dampen your abilities. Uh, but quickly, I want to jump in there and, um, you know, uh, thank Brett for coming on. Uh, he did have to go and uh, um, make dinner for his family. Uh, so thank you again um, for coming on. Uh, jumping right back into it, uh, we're going to talk about Eric Ironmaker. He is another four-point NCU, and if I didn't already say, Aaron is also four points. Uh, he has the ability that he starts the game with two pillage tokens on him. When an enemy NCU claims the wealth, uh, place one more pillage token on Eric. Uh, when Eric claims his own, you may remove one pillage token from him and place it on one friendly unit with pillage. Uh, personally, from what I've seen, he is by far my favorite NCU uh, that I've seen for Greyjoys. Um, I just the f fact that I know I won't have to worry about my pillage mechanic nearly as much and making my army more optimal and punishing my opponent even further for taking the wealth uh, when it's already you know such a desired location. Uh, this guy is nearly going to be auto-include in nearly every uh, list I make. <laughs> How about you, Ilya? Um, yeah, I was also like very surprised about Eric's ability because I never imagined that they would include an NCU that allows you to gain pillage tokens that easily. Um, the reason for that is because of Iron Makers. Iron Makers can become a 2-plus defense unit as, um, when they get those two pillage tokens. And Eric can provide those tokens very early in the game without the Iron Makers need to perform any attack on an enemy unit to you know, destroy an enemy rank and so far and so on. So in my book, Eric is extremely good for four points. Um, he just gets this get engine going for the Great Joys. You can also use those pillage tokens on your Reavers to get there plus um, uh, to hit value up. Um, I really like Eric. Um, I'm only a little bit on the fence about him uh, having this caveat that the enemy needs to pick the wealth zone to uh, gain an additional pillage token. The reason for that is because um, the Greyjack deck wants actually the enemy to pick the wealth zone. Um, he, it, it wants to punish the enemy for picking the wealth zone with cards like We Do Not Saw and with Kraken's Wrath. Um, if you include Eric in your list, you are giving the opponent another reason not to pick those zones. And yes, you basically are denying him um, to the heal of free wounds and the removal of one condition tokens. But Eric forced me in my games most of the time to pick the wealth zone myself because the enemy was just avoiding the zone like hell. Um, therefore, it was quite hard to get um, additional pillage tokens on him if you are facing a very um, you know, seasoned player because you can actually in most of the games ignore the wealth zone if you're doing things right and Eric's ability then loses a lot of value um, but I still think that uh, just for his two initial pillage tokens he's worth 
four points in my books. So yeah, I, I like Eric a lot. Yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, this the Greyjoys are probably one of the biggest like glass cannon armies uh that we're gonna have access to once they drop. And they between their tactics deck and then Eric Ironmaker and then maybe a couple things sprinkled in, you're really adding this element of control between the tactic zones. And yeah. Uh, it does come down to the fact that your opponent is probably going to avoid the wealth, but I think it's going to be such a tough decision. Um, if someone's able to avoid the wealth all game just to stop you from having a couple effects, I think in a way you're still winning. Uh, in a way, That's like you're not winning yep. the game necessarily, but you're um, you're really punishing your opponent no matter what they do. It's you know it's like a double-edged sword that it's it's a no-win situation. That's a good point. Yeah, um, that's, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Now, if they're able to avoid the wealth all game and still be in a good position, I think uh, <laughs> no matter like nearly no matter what you do, they're <laughs> they kind of have control of the game at that point. If they're like ah, you can have the wealth, you can have that zone. I don't care. Yeah, um, it, it was. I think I was playing against Baratheons, and they were like, "Yeah, I, I don't need to have some right now. I can heal with my cards and so on." Well, Rose oh, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't care. Like, yeah, if they don't need to control it for any effects, and they are a faction that has plenty of healing, then yeah, I could definitely see that as being a problem. But then again, it kind of goes on to. Um, goes into the allowing you to then take it to uh, to allow you to trigger some of your tactics cards, but really just to get the effect of the zone. Um, being able to like put Aaron uh, uh, on the wealth, heal up three, take a token away, and now the unit itself is going to heal some more if you if you heal and influence the same unit. Uh, you could really bring a unit back from the brink. Um, I think that level of control and two auto pillage tokens and then the potential for more pillage tokens because even if your opponent only takes the wealth one more time i think three three auto pillage tokens is amazing yeah um that's true uh and like you're saying being able to make the iron makers a two up starting at you know as early as potentially round uh uh round two especially if he's yep. the first NCU activate. So, you know, your Ironmakers, especially if you're running Asha Greyjoy in them, could be basically from the get-go a two-up save, five-up morale. Yeah, And then exactly. with all the healing you have, there's a good chance that that unit's never going to die. Yeah, that's true. Asha and Ironmakers are a ridiculous combination. Um, but also Balon. So I, I played Balon a lot, and uh, Eric, in my opinion, is also an auto-include if you're playing Balon. I think one of his cards, uh, The Old Way, uh, has, a, has two triggers on it, and both of them require you to um, spend a pillage token from your unit to gain some effect. So you need Eric if you're playing Balon to get those additional pillage tokens off. And um, I think also that Eric initially seems like an okay-ish NCU, but he is also very strong in combination with Iron Makers. And I would like to make the uh, argument that if we see more elite type of units for the Greyjoys, which can utilize pillage, Eric just 
went, you know, becomes even more strong, stronger and more effective. Um, yeah, I, I like Eric a lot. And um, as I said just before, I wish he wouldn't be as dependent on the wealth zone as the basic deck is already. But I totally see the theme here. And it, it yeah, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, yeah, time will tell. Um, but I think that's one thing I've always loved about this game is the more, like, the tougher decisions that you can force on your opponent, I think the better. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then the last NCU, which is another reveal that was back in, I believe, June, uh, is Balon Greyjoy, five-point NCU. Uh, as long as he has not changed, he is once per game when uh, Balon um, claims a zone. You may, you may replace the zone's effect with redeploy one previously destroyed Greyjoy combat unit fully within long range of a friendly deployment edge or fully within short range of any flank table edge they deploy activated so um man this is this is insanely good the this fact is that strong yeah <laughs> you could potentially what redeploy i mean granted something's not probably going to die until turn three in most cases so but assuming something dies because uh, it says Oh, it's once per game. Okay, I thought it was once per game, but I, my brain must have skipped over that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, even even though it is once per game, it it is crazy good. Let's. It could even be um, your Iron Makers that you yeah. uh, had beefed up to two up, you know, five up. And let's see, does it say it come with the attachment back or no? We're to play. I think it's with the attachment because it just says the unit comes back. So, um, yeah, should be. Yeah. Yep, the entire so, unit. yeah, you could bring your commander back. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that is crazy good. Even though they deploy activated, I mean, you can't really complain. I mean, you're spending five points for him, but you have yep. to think some of those points are factoring the the fact that you can – take spots on the tactics board to gain their effects. So really it's, you know, let's say that it's an argument of how many points that's worth, but let's just say even three of the five points is meant for his ability. That means you're spending three points to ensure that you could potentially get, you know, uh, sky's the limit, you know, worth of units back, uh, points of units back, you know, cause you could take the iron makers and be like, you know what? I want to run a reaver captain, with them and now I can run like Theon with them and now they're uh yeah. a 10 point coming uh, getting their back and then influence them with uh um like you were saying that combo with uh Aaron um and then Theon and exactly, yeah. auto six charge in the rear of something and then they're in the thick of things and if they die you go okay Balon come back <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and yep. Yeah, it it could get pretty nuts. I think uh, going over all these N NCU's, I think uh, all of them are great, and all of them have you know amazing utility, just like the units do, and just like the commanders. Um, I would have to say that this is probably the most well balanced, you know, on paper. I mean, I haven't had the um, luxury to 
test any of it yet, but on paper, this just <laughs> seems like overall the well-rounded, most well-rounded uh, faction and not well-rounded as in like their abilities, but just like how they were created and uh, the utility and the usefulness of everything. Nothing's an easy pass and nothing's an automatic include. Um, though there are a lot of things that are so strong that you're probably going to want to include them in most things, but yeah. 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 So how do you kind of feel about them? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, here, but um, there are just a couple of things. As I said before, for example, the Bowman at four points are, I think just a little bit too effective at their point value right now. I really hope I'm wrong here in the future when everything gets released in 1.7. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think the Greyjoys, I, I know I'm pretty biased here, but I think that this, this is the best work uh, Michael and Fabio have done so far, design-wise, because after playing them now in multiple games, I had so much fun. Like uh, I, I, I can't remember... How, like when I played a lot of games over the years in the Song of Ice and Fire, but with the years and especially uh, during COVID when we all are forced to play online, I got so many games in that I felt like um, this game didn't provide me anything new. I tried out a lot of different combinations, commanders, factions, and so on. And then I tried out Greyjoys and this was so fun to play with. Like it, it all felt very intuitive, new, fresh. And yeah, I think that the Greyjoys, if anyone is looking for a faction that plays very dynamically, especially because of the pillage mechanic, you should buy Greyjoys because I can guarantee you, you will play a faction that plays like none other else out there right now. Yes, they are very aggressive, but they're not the... Berserker type of aggressive like the Starks, and they're not this heavy mobility type of aggressive like the Targaryens. Um, Michael have, has you know, outdone him here, I, I think, in my personal opinion. Like they have implemented here a very clever, um, you know, gameplay uh, design and gameplay mechanic in form of the pillage tokens um, that just feels so fresh and new and so fun to play with. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the Greyjoys. And, and I'm not talking here just like a fan, because I love Greyjoys also in the books. Um, I'm just talking here from a game, game design perspective. Like, this is a very well-done faction. Yeah, and that's not to say, you know, this game is already, you know, in my opinion, the best tabletop game out there uh, for a lot of reasons. And it's, you know, I've had more fun with a tabletop game with this game than I have with any other in the last, I think it's been like 24 years now since I started playing tabletop games. And um, I would have to say, you know, no other, you know, all the other factions that they've made, they've all been amazing and I've had a ton of fun. And so saying that this is the best, like de best faction design wise, you know, is saying, in my opinion, it's saying a lot. It's, yeah. You know, it, they basically set the bar, you know, really exactly, high yeah. and then somehow exactly. still pole vaulted over it with this faction. So I cannot wait for him to drop it. I really hope that the quarter one release date is still uh, on track. I know that if it isn't, that isn't, uh, I'm going to take a guess that that's not Simon's fault 
I'm sure it has something to do with some unknown that we don't know about, but I'm really hoping that quarter one is still the, the release date. I actually already have uh, I think I just checked. I have like $300 in credit over saving tons of credit through my local that is literally nice. just going to be dropped. <laughs> yeah. It's literally just going to be dropped on three starters. of These guys. So three starters. Um, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little OCD. I like being able to run anything I can imagine really. Like I'm like, you know what? I just feel like running six reavers, you know, Make sense, you know yeah. I feel like running, <laughs> Especially, you know, when you have like, uh, like, let's say, because I, I just do the math and it's like when you, you're paying like, I think 100 for the starter, but then each individual unit box is like 35. If you need to buy yeah. two more units for 70, it's like, I'd rather just spend an extra 30 and get myself another starter. Even if I might have a couple units, I only ever see play a couple times, but I don't know. That's just my OCD at work. I know everyone is that. I know most people aren't that way. Um, the oh, only starter get, I didn't buy. Oh, Dave, don't get started in OCD uh, because I I am on the opposite side here. I can't buy more than one box because if I have multiple boxes of one faction, a starter box of one faction, I'm losing my mind. Like, I only have one, <laughs> and then I need to buy those units individually because I can stack the boxes on each other. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. <laughs> I know, but I can't stop myself from doing it. So it's, <laughs> I know what you're talking I was, about. <laughs> I was doing that until I, you know, because I have every faction and I have a minimum of three units of every, or a th minimum of three, yeah, uh, units uh, yeah, of yeah. every unit type for every faction. And then six uh, <laughs> or three starters of each faction that I had so many boxes, I just, I had to get rid of them all. <laughs> My wife was like, look, I don't mind you having your collection. She's like, that's fine. But she's like, yeah. uh, the boxes are going from, you know, like the floor to the ceiling. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we're in the same boat here. Um, the only only starter I did not buy two of or three of is uh, Targaryens. And that's that was just because, uh, you know, with their point costs and the way things worked, you know, I, I couldn't really sure. ever see myself, you know, running uh, – more than four screamers or two vets or two outriders, but yeah, we'll see sense. what, uh, we'll see what their faction reveals. If their faction reveals uh, a bunch of really awesome stuff, I might consider going out and buying a third. Anyway, sorry everyone for that very long rant. We have <laughs> one very last, uh, reveal, which is a very short one because it is only the point cost. It is for Carl Asha's champion. It is a one point, uh, infantry attachment that is uh, has the ability companion Asha Greyjoy. This attachment ignores the usual attachment restrictions when added to a unit containing Asha Greyjoy. That is simply all we know about it. Um, this was also yep. another reveal back in June, um, so it'll be really cool to see uh, kind of how that works, especially as we've mentioned multiple times now. Asha and Iron Makers. Um, let's see. This ignores the usual attachment restrictions. So, I mean, you could have Asha, uh, Carl, and then a um, a captain. You could have three attachments in there yeah. because two of them ignore the restrictions. And then you could create some crazy combo like putting her in Reapers or something uh, and getting in the, you know, the rear and then uh, have, uh, what's his face, uh, 
Eric Ironmaker put two pillage tokens on them immediately, then charge in the back for a minus four panic and you know <laughs> plus two damage on the um, <laughs> on the panic. So um, yeah, yeah. But with that said, that's pretty much everything. Uh, last kind of uh, initial thoughts of the uh, faction, uh, Ilya. Yeah, I, th- I think we have said a lot about the Greyjoys so far, and I just can repeat myself here. I think it's the best designed faction right now in the game. And yeah, people should try them out because uh, our friend, uh, Sebastian, also known as Bartender, has put a lot of work into the tabletop mod, and he also implemented the Greyjoys. So if you would like to try them out, go ahead. Um, there are a couple of units already in the tabletop simulator. So the Reavers, the Reapers, the Bowmen, and the Iron Makers. And we also have all three commanders, the Warsworn, the Reaver Captain. And I also think we have all NCUs, including Balon and even Theon, the, the Theon attachment for two points. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I... I think, uh, as we've already mentioned, you know, this faction looks amazing. Uh, anyone that was on the fence, I'd say definitely give it a try on uh, Tabletop Simulator to kind of um, take away any doubts you might be having. Uh, I'm fairly convinced most of you that are on the fence right now will absolutely love the faction when it drops. Uh, for those that are, you know, not looking to start the faction but are just kind of curious on how they're going to operate and um, – what to kind of do to combat them. Um, yeah. It's it's not an easy answer, to be totally honest. It's uh, You're really going to have to pay very close attention to all of your options. You're really going to have to pros and cons to every action you make, especially with the tactics board. You know, don't immediately outright say, oh, just because they get some small effect, I'm not going to take a spot on the tactics board, because who knows? I mean, it's it might actually hurt you more by doing that. So it's just going to be one of those you're really going to have to take the time and weigh the decision. I think one, um, fingers crossed, I really hope he doesn't change, uh, but uh, uh, Littlefinger, he is one of my favorite NCUs. I've been running him on so many lists, and I hope he doesn't change. And if he doesn't, he, I think, will be a very key piece to running against Greyjoys. You're going to be able to avoid actually being on those spots while taking the effects of them. Um, so uh, I really hope he doesn't, and only time will tell. Hopefully they do like another neutral drop and show a bunch of cool stuff that's changed, but I doubt they they will just because they already did uh, a neutral um, faction thing. So, um, yeah, uh, hopefully if he doesn't change, Littlefinger will be awesome uh, counter. And then really just uh, trying to mitigate... Um, the healing, I think the best way to do that is focusing on a unit till it's dead, uh, kind of like how you had to do initially with, uh, you still kind of have to with uh, Night's Watch, but yeah, um, <laughs> that kind of wraps up the show. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ilya. Uh, did you have any uh, shout outs or any um, plugs you wanted to do? Um, shout out wise, I would like to make a great shout out to uh, George. And I would also like to make a shout out to Chris from Slaughterhouse, who's doing a lot of uh, videos lately. Um, like he posted a new battle report. Um, check it, check it out. It's very cool. It's very entertaining. And yeah, go play Greyjoys on the tabletop simulator. Awesome. And then I kind of want to reiterate that shout out for uh, Chris from uh, 
Uh, he's been doing a lot of content, as you said. He does have a Patreon. Um, so I know that we don't uh, have a Patreon, so if you guys are looking to support someone, definitely go check out his. Um, he has some awesome pledge levels that you can kind of get in on and um, get some benefits there and uh, just help out a content creator. And then also definitely check out Warden. Um, they also do a ton of awesome work. Um, and then if you guys haven't already, uh, check us out at uh, Small Council Radio on Facebook. We do a giveaway for every 100 likes we get. I believe we're only one follow away from 700, but we're like 25 likes away. So if you are following us on Facebook, go check to see if you've uh, hit that like button because there's about 25 of you that haven't. As soon as we hit 700 likes, uh, I will be doing another giveaway for a unit box of your of the winner's choice uh and then another uh shout out to or another reminder about our giveaway for um uh the new card packs uh starting in march uh, i think like the first or second day of march i'm going to make a post on our facebook page uh that you can comment on all you have to do is like the page if you haven't already and then comment on that post and then you'll be submitted in to win a uh one of the card packs and i'll be um, doing seven winners. The winner can pick any card pack they want. I only chose the number seven because that's how many factions there will be at the time, I believe. Uh, and then in your comment, if you provide proof uh, of purchased foil uh, card packs from, I think it was like the Asia Simon uh, um, Expo uh, yeah. If you provide any proof of purchases for sets of those, for every set that you purchased, uh, let's say you bought one of each faction because you are OCD like me, uh, you <laughs> will be entered in seven additional times. Uh, you can only win one pack uh, no matter how many times you're entered, but that will greatly increase the chances you have to win one. I kind of wanted to give back. I wanted everyone to have the option to win, but I really wanted to give back to those that uh, had bought them and uh, are now, you know, looking at a lot of it being obsolete. I know it's more of like a, like a, a promotional thing, and it wasn't really, I don't think it was ever really meant to last forever. It just kind of sucks that it's not going to last very long, especially with lockdown. A lot of people probably didn't even get to use them, like, in person. So I wanted to kind of give back to those uh, kind of invested a lot of money. So definitely spread the word on that. Uh, I want a lot of people that, uh, I want everyone to, enter, but I want a lot of people that um, invested a lot of money. I was very fortunate, and I was going to buy, actually, one of each uh, faction. Oh, then, boy. Okay. And then I was actually going to buy uh, uh, how six or seven neutral packs, <laughs> so that Wait, way I what? could... <laughs> Yes, yes. I was going to buy like six or seven neutral packs because I actually buy one. Or I buy seven of every neutral hero box, uh, so I have seven hero box two and seven hero box one, and oh, I take out all okay. the commander cards and I sleeve them up in the faction specific sleeves, so I don't have to like unsleeve and resleeve anything. Everything's ready to go, and I just sell the models to kind of make back some of the money. Anyways, hmm, okay. that's another another <laughs> OCD of mine. I almost spent like uh, an insane amount on 
card packs and I just didn't have the money at the time and then we that was when the stuff got revealed uh, shortly after and so I I for the most part can feel uh, feel for the yeah. people that spent all that money because I, I mentally had that price on my brain that how much I would have spent so definitely uh, go check that out like I said March 1st or 2nd and it will last the whole month I will not pick a winner until uh, like the end of March or like the first day in April uh, maybe April Fool's that way I can just say it was all a hoax but, you know. <laughs> oh, that's clever, um, yeah. <laughs> so don't worry you don't have to get it the day of uh, you don't have to submit the day of but that is when it will be available to put up there and definitely let everyone else that you know know about it uh, and I definitely can't wait to give back in that way. Um, so enough with my rambling. Uh, thank you all for listening for this episode. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode, which is on the 23rd of this month. It's uh, a Tuesday because we do our shows every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time and every other Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, thank you again for listening in. This is a Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.